Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, welcome back to the Football Drop Podcast. We are live. It is late. Oh, yeah. We are tired, but we are here. We are a pair of sweaty men right now. <laughs> Proper sweaty men. So we're doing it on teams because we've just come back from football. Uh, just because, unfortunately, I was working late. My hair looks like I've just got out of the shower as well. It's got, like, look at that. Proper, like, that is, like, swimming pool hair. Okay. You are looking fit. Thanks, mate. I do not smell fit. Let's put it that way. Me neither. This is this is disgusting. Um, when I said we well played got... today, I slapped your back, and it was disgusting. It's rank. It is awful. Rancid. Um, Rancid. We got we got another bumper episode, today, haven't we? So I think we need to just get straight back into it. Are you all right? Are you good? Yeah, I'm all good, mate. I'm all good. How are you? I'm all good, mate. I'm all good. Let's, good let's weekend. Get into, we saw really Big Tommy D, though, didn't we? So, yeah. So, this is, this is what I was just going to come on to. So, yesterday, we uh, filmed... We rec- we, well, I came around yours early, didn't I, to record this podcast. And we sat and we watched the football. And then we interviewed uh, Johnny, who's on in a bit. In a bit. Um, and now we're rushing through because <laughs> we did do what we agreed to do yesterday and then we went on a bit of a mandate didn't we we did we did indeed had a lovely time a couple of beers uh, we held hands at the end so thank you it was a lovely time lovely time it was brilliant yeah i really i really enjoyed walking down the pier with you it was <laughs> Fuck off. we didn't do that <laughs> just fyi <laughs> just for full clarification stop laughing you weirdo Right, what and what we did under the pier was weekend. No, no, let's just keep keep cracking on. Let's just move <laughs> along quickly. Um, we had a hat trick of hat tricks this weekend. 
Mate, we had we had an incredible weekend of football. It was probably the most exciting weekend of football we have had this season, and that is bold. And only two teams failed to score out of twenty, mm. which was, mm. uh, that was that was quite interesting. Quite interesting indeed. Yes, it's quite interesting. It's quite interesting. Um, yes. But can can we start obviously with the first game because I've got a bit of Shall a, we? a a bit of a beef with this. Okay. Can someone, well, when I say someone, I mean any listener that, that's got an explanation for this or yourself will. How the fuck is Luton Town and West Ham Friday night football worthy? Well, uh, yeah, you stumped me there. <laughs> um, to be honest, is, is Friday night football like a proper thing now? I thought it was like Sunday afternoon was the blockbuster one. Yeah, it is, but... Now Friday night, that's the start of the weekend. You want a bit of a bit of a banger of a game, but well, here we go. Football First game at Kenilworth Road. Yeah, that that's just do it on a Saturday Saturday lunchtime. Early kickoff. Mm. That had a bit more spice into it because it's like, ooh. Never back the early kickoff. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I think that's the second or third time you said something about adding spice to it tonight. Is that your, like your new little phrase? I don't know. I think it's because I've just had some spicy <laughs> pasta, to be fair. And my mouth, I'm not going to lie, my mouth's on fire a bit. <laughs> do, you know what is, do you know what is really funny? It's just looking at you, because I know a lot about you today, and you are fucked. Like, you are the most tired man that there is <laughs> on this planet today. And, I'm, and I mean this with all of my heart, because I love you, bro. But uh, you look rough. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, I feel it. However, I just want to sort of shame you a little bit here because I'm still not yawning on a podcast, am I? Oh, I'm still not yawning. Snap. But, no, genuinely, though, Luton Town 1, West Ham 2, great game. Bit of a flair at the end, obviously, with a very, very late goal for Luton. Mm, Yeah. First Um, Premier League goal at Kenilworth Road. Yeah, I, I think this game as well, it, it kind of showed that there is definitely a bit of hope there for Luton. You know, they can definitely, so. home form is going to save them if, well, if they can if they can stay up. I think that's going to be, everything's going to rely on that. They'll nick one or two wins throughout the season away from home for sure. There'll be a freak win, like there was one uh, later on on, on the Saturday, uh, Saturday games we'll go into. Um, but they'll, oh, they'll get a few shocks for sure. And, and and just to sorry interject there, I mm. think as well if they look around the clubs around them, they, they will be thinking, we we got this. We, we could we could do some good shit here. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, uh, out the three teams that have been promoted, they've got one point, which is Sheffield United. Mm. So it's. Although they've had a, a bit of a dodgy start, I know Luton and Burnley will be able to play the game less, of course, but it's it's still there. They're not really falling behind yet. You know, Bournemouth are still sat there on two points. Wolves are on three. I mean, Newcastle surprisingly are only on three. I think they'll obviously uh, come come good very soon. It's still very early. Might do. But yeah, so uh, I don't think it was a very entertaining game either from the the bits that I watched. But a two-one win for West Ham. Yeah. Which we both predicted, which was unusual. We did, we did predict that. Yeah, that was. We don't often agree. Oh, here we go. Uh, but in that case, we did. We did. Good um, but I think, I think you, 
you just led yourself nicely on then to the to the Brighton Newcastle game, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think. Uh yeah, sure. Big win. Sure thing. What a Big game. Win. What a game, mate. Evan Ferguson though. Yeah, Brighton are incredible, you're right. But Evan Ferguson, man. Eighteen. This is years what I mean. Old. This is what Brighton are incredible because they they just pluck these players out of absolutely nowhere like what what was he is he 18 19 yeah he's 18 18 years old 18 and he just comes in he scores a hattie against Newcastle who who are like the one of the top six clubs in the country at the moment yeah um, well I suppose technically at the say moment Brighton are in there well, if you look at the table they're not at the moment but I know what you mean well, you know what I mean though yeah I know what you mean surely you know what I mean yeah I know what you mean it was a good hat. It was a good hat trick as well, it was wasn't it? And then a little consolation from Callum Wilson at the end there. Yeah, it was um, a hat I think Brighton needed that win as well. Um, Newcastle going to be a little bit low yeah. confidence going into the international break now as well. Uh, a good time for them to regroup and then just be like, right, bit of a shaky start. Come on, lads, let's go. They've got their draw for the Champions League that. and things as well now, so the excitement can be you know built up a bit. Like, come on, lads, let's get the Premier League games done. Let's vote, and then we can go on to this. It's exciting. It's a good challenge. Let's crack on. Yeah. And and I think you know if you if you look at the two clubs, Brighton will come away with absolute confidence going into. I mean, we've got the we've got the international break now, but going into Europe, Brighton will be thinking, yeah, fuck no, we we can do this. Newcastle will be looking at Nick Pope, thinking, oh, you you had a bit of a dodgy game. Like overall, mm. they wasn't good for Newcastle at all. I think maybe a one-off, but uh, yeah. Yeah, Pope hasn't hasn't had a, a good start. He's looked a little bit shaky, I think. Like his decision making hasn't so, been quite on point for what he was last season. So consistent last season that you hold him up into high high esteem, but yeah, not really not really showing us what he can do. He's not, but there's there's plenty of time left in the season. Uh what game's next? Season for a reason. City you still him? For a reason. Mate, what a game. However, VAR strikes again. VAR, yeah. I mean, it could be Mary VAR must again today because it has had a bit of a shocker <laughs> over the weekend, doesn't it? It's just everything, mate. And so many people now are calling for it to just be like, let's just call it a day. Like, you, you're not using it right. You've got all this technology in the world. You're not using it correctly. The people that are using it are just fucking idiots. They're not football people. So, they have no idea what they're doing. So this was at one all, wasn't it? So Alvarez got a got a fucking great goal. Uh, yeah. Then Reem knocked one in. Then Ake headed the ball. Akanji was in front of the uh, Leno. Was in front of him. Yeah, blocking uh, his sight moved completely. Out, uh, moved out of the way, but what? And in and in an offside position, but was deemed to not be interfering with play. Mate, right? How could you not interfere with play? He's jumped over the fucking ball. Yeah, he literally exactly. jumped over the fucking ball in front of the goalkeeper. You, you can't yeah. be any more involved with play unless he's had a shot at the goalkeeper. That's the only way he could be more involved with play at that point. I know, mate. I just, I can't understand. You know, if that doesn't, if if they go in at half time one one. I could still see Haaland scoring Hattie. I'm not going to lie, but that, <laughs> but that Fulham will have confidence. Different, yeah, exactly. 100%, that could be yeah. the difference. 
It's oh, and yeah. especially it was four minutes into added time in the first half. If that wasn't anything, they would have blown the whistle, go in, and they're like, right, second half, we can do this. We've done it in the first half. Yep. Come on, lads. Whole yep. different game, no, I agree. whole different tactic. Um, but Foden massive quality. Shout out for Foden. Yeah. Mate, he was good. <laughs> Mate, Foden's insane. But Haaland, he's got five hat tricks and thirty. Was it thirty-five games? Yeah, and and I think. What is it in those thirty-five games? He scored like forty-two goals now. Mate, it's, just, it's just ridiculous. The guy is just—he's just out of this world, out of this world. Not, not yeah. Was it Hattie? And he got an assist he? as well. Yeah, <laughs> he's probably directly been involved in over fifty goals in like thirty-five games now, which is <laughs> fucking insane. In supposedly the hardest league in the world, and he's literally just making yeah. it into a, a playground. Absolutely. Although I did menace. see, I did see a, a good article. I'll have to find it. We'll talk about it next week. So just, just for all of our listeners, we're going to do a massive Euro roundup next week. We've had, we've had a few guests and stuff, so we, we have gone off. So I apologise for all you European followers. But next week we'll do a proper one during the international break. We'll get, we'll catch up and then we'll add it in to our routine. It's just where we've been a bit up and down with guests and things like that. But we've got a banging guests on later. Stay tuned. We have, we have indeed. But yeah, there was an argument that the German league is fucking out of this world and is superior to the Premier League, which I'm interested in, actually, and I'm going to make a case for that. By the end of the season, I'm going to make a case that the German league is better than the Premier League. Yes, you've had it here first. Wow. From the man in the Rangers shirt. That is contentious. Yeah, can I just point out, actually, you're wearing your Rangers shirt. I'm wearing my Celtic shirt. Um, And Celtic won at the weekend. But football tonight, yeah. I believe you won. I did. I mean, you did have um, an extra player. I did. I, I yeah, did. you did. Yeah, it was all me. Also, just a shout out, because I did call us the jock straps earlier, which he was not too impressed with. <laughs> no, what I wasn't impressed with was the, the signals and actions you were doing in the car across <laughs> the road from me while I was on the phone driving up there. Parked up, you're still talking jock straps and doing the, the sort of sword fighting actions with your fingers. <laughs> It was creepy. Please don't repeat that again. <laughs> yeah, no, no, stop. Just stop. Should Brentford... we move on to Chelsea Forest? Because I've oh. been looking forward to talking to that. Oh, okay. Was that next? Was that? I thought it was Brentford Bournemouth. Okay. Not in Chelsea my list. Chelsea Forest. Go on then. Mate, Chelsea were. How do I say this? Um... It's four letters, mate. Starts with S, ends in T. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> They had 21 shots, two of them hit the target. And Havertz plays for Arsenal now. And Havertz, <laughs> we'll come on to that. <laughs> yeah, Havertz <laughs> plays for Arsenal now. Um, it, was, it was a very strange one from Chelsea. They just they couldn't seem to just, <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know, just hit the target, I assume. It's, it's, weird. it's what I'm trying to say, really, because... Yeah, um, Alanga, mate. That was a good goal from Alanga. Owen E was the supplier there, so he's lost his he's lost his run of um, games, but uh, scored consecutively. Um, I think I think you understand that goal. Yeah, message. I got it. I'm not sure the listeners will, um, but I spend but... unfortunately too much time with you to understand. <laughs> Hang on, can I just say actually, but... our WhatsApp conversation the other day was letters, and I understood what you were talking about. Yeah, you did. Yeah, that, w- was, that w- really made me laugh. <laughs> what was it? W W S W. 
No, it's uh, WD. Well done. Well done, well YG. Done. Yes, geez. Yeah. Sig one, Sigala. I just read that like, what Twats. a dick. Yeah. Absolute morons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. So Chelsea, for I mean, for, what Forest have got this season compared to what they did they didn't have last season is a bit of pace on the counter now. What, mate? That, so I was just going to go. They've spent a, over a billion since Todd Bowley arrived last summer. We were billion. talking about Forest, mate. Oh, sorry. Was you? Yeah, we were you saying say? the Forest. To be honest, yeah, he wasn't listening, was he? To, no, to be honest, I wanted to say what I wanted to say. Thought you was talking about it, and I just thought, yeah, I'll just lead nicely on that. So, so when I said what Forest have got this season compared to what they didn't have last season was more pace on the counter, and then you dropped the bomb that Forest have spent a billion pound under Todd Bowley. I didn't realise no, he owned Forest. No, no, Chelsea. Okay, right. Let's go back to your point. No, no wait, we're point. done now. Yeah. We're done. <laughs> It's it, Forest. The Forest uh, player, the Forest team have settled in nicely together. They have um, have done extremely well in in getting that team to gel. Added, they've added, they've they've, they've had signed like forty players in since the beginning of last summer. Um, but what they have done is they've kept that core team. So Alani, uh, now Alanga, um, uh, Morgan Gibbs, White, Worrell. That's him. Yeah. Also, yeah, they've got Bolly in Thank as well, you. who's solid at the back. Good Prem experience. Yeah. Um, so yeah, v- very good point there, mate. I was uh, I was on every hanging on every word that you just said there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, do you want to move on to next game then? <laughs> Are we not? So that's it. We're not going to talk about my point about Chelsea spending a billion. No, no, okay, fair enough. Uh, no, in all seriousness, Chelsea has spent yeah over a billion pound now. Since transfer deadline day, they got uh, another signing over the line. It's just insane. That was a weird signing as well, wasn't it? Palmer from City. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, he is highly rated. And I think but this so, has got to so be his season. Pl- well, yeah, yeah. But he's young, he's English, he's won the under 21 Euros, he's just come off the back of a treble winning season with Man City. That's a winning mentality coming games, into yeah. into their team. You know, some of the players that haven't won much, or well, haven't won anything. Thiago Silva obviously is a bit of a a serial winner over the years. You know, Raheem Sterling's yeah, been there; he's exactly. won it. So they've got a few sort of winners in their team now, which may help shift that mentality a little bit. I don't know, but obviously Cole Palmer is still young, so he's still hungry, but he still knows what it's like to win. Yeah, like it could be a, sh- a shrewd signing for them, well, but the problem is you've got Madueke who plays on the right, which is Palmer's kind of position, right coming inside, um, and Madueke's done really well. Well, they've got a couple of players who who, who play out that you know in that position and 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 are doing okay. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. They've obviously bought him in for a reason, so I assume that that they'll be sticking him sticking him in the team. Yeah, yeah. The Manchester spending that much money on on him as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely one for the future, though. Yeah, yeah he does, does the quality, To be fair, see what he does. But che- but Chelsea, yeah, we should yes, uh, Saturday. So yeah, they, they just yes. yeah, they weren't great. They weren't great at all. One of their fans was slating it, saying that Thiago Silva, look, we we love him, but he's just past it now. He can't keep up with the team. Blah 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 blah. 
like we love for you but you've got to be dropped kind of thing and then he replied he's like well we played in the back four for most of the game so you don't need a back five just to cover for me but that's cool thanks for your opinion mate <laughs> <laughs> and I was like yeah he's, he's got a point he's got a point but yeah what's uh, what's next on your list because yours is clearly in a different order to mine clearly I've got Burnley Tottenham oh that is next on mine um, I, I don't want to talk about this too much no, no, it's becoming quite annoying, isn't it? Yeah, Big Ange is doing big things. Okay, so I I am just gonna calm calm you down a little bit because yeah, Tottenham Tottenham played re- really well uh, on Saturday. I'm not gonna take anything from them. Son, Madison, uh, they all played really well. Tottenham looked much better without Richarlison, I must say. Um, yeah, they really do. Because because Hattie. because son in the middle, Hattie, and Solomon out on the wing, he he was really good, man. Um, mm. So would do doggy. Uh, uh, but Burnley did score two goals. Yeah, they did. <laughs> you just sat back in your chair, put your head back, and I thought you'd fallen asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Burnley did score two goals, and it is quite early under a new manager's reign. So, you know, I am enjoying Tottenham's football. Oh, oh, that was really hard to say. (laughs) Um, But I I would just err on the side of caution and see how far he can go with it because it's new manager, he's got them playing okay. Yeah. Just, Just calm down. It's new manager bounce at the moment still, I think. Wait until, you know... 15, 20 games into the season, then see where they are. We've obviously other different sort of competitions and whatever. And well, I mean, other competitions, FA Cup, because throughout the Carabao. Oh, well, exactly, yeah. So weird, weird team choice, actually. I don't want to go too much, but weird team choice for the Carabao Cup. 10 changes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. And, right. and they were playing Fulham, weren't they? Yeah, which you think. Surely you got a little bit stronger, but no, apparently not. Apparently no, not. I agree. But big win for them. Uh, I didn't see that coming. Actually, that that huge. sort of scoreline. No, but when you when you saw the way they played, I mean, James Madison is 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 just something else. In Did that you realise how uh, good James Madison is? What well, when he was at Leicester? Yeah. But yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was quality. But like for me, I always knew he was good. But now he's doing it in a shit team and making them look good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, he did that with Leicester. He, he, if, no, no, if he I'm, wasn't there, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Good, like, okay, obviously, he's, okay, he's yeah. linking up with Son, with Kulisevsky, Richarlison to a degree, but Solomon as well. He, he's just pulling the strings in that sort of midfield slash attacking midfield role. He's just doing whatever the hell he wants to do. And he, he's really got them playing like some, some really good football. And I think he could be a yeah. really good signing. I think he could potentially become one of the signings of the season if he stays fit. Yeah. And that's uh, a big Yeah, if. I agree. Uh, and and I will just say, you know, Burnley were very poor. They do need to they do need to improve their defensive play. Mm. There was there was a few things that, that you've seen where, you know, they got two at the back and they're not covering, they're not getting close. So yeah, I would I would suggest that they 
they certainly need to look at that defensive area and and keep building. Company keeps saying, "Oh, we're learning, we're learning, we're learning." Mate, you need to start learning a bit quicker because the time is not on your side. Once you're on that downward spiral, mm, it's hard. Uh, it can come out you fast. Yeah. yeah Brentford, Bournemouth hard. next, mate. Yeah, two-two. Two-two. Yeah. A Desmond. I, I was say. A Desmond. I was expecting a um, a Brentford win there, but actually Bournemouth played really well. Yeah, it's taken really well, Bournemouth yeah. a little while to get going. Yeah. But they have got a good team. You know, the, the manager is supposedly a, a, a decent manager. Not that I know much about him, but isn't this this is a guy that worked under Pep, isn't it? Is that right? He was, he was, uh, yeah, I think he did work under Pep, didn't he? And then he, he went into management. Yes, yeah, this is Pep's assistant. Is it Zaragoza? No, he oh, was, no, that's the Leeds manager, might... isn't it? Oh, Joe, you know I'm getting confused with who's who now. But I I know that when they signed him, I was like, who the hell? I think we actually did a, an episode on it. I was like, who the hell is this mm. guy? But he has got them you know, playing some, some decent football still. Um, I do think they'll be fine throughout the season. But Brentford have been playing well. So to get a draw, especially away to Brentford, is, uh, is a good, solid <laughs> result. Yeah, I think so. I think <laughs> Brentford were a bit unlucky. I think they hit the post about four or five times. Um, so Poor they were Brentford. a bit unlucky. Yeah. But no, Bournemouth looks okay. Uh, the, the the goal from Tavernier into Brooks uh, for Brooks to finish off was, was, a, was a neat little finish and Brooks' first goal back since being off with uh, cancer. So, yeah, fair yeah, play to him. It was mate. nice it was to a, see. That That's a, nice a feel-good goal, isn't it, that one? Yeah, it's, that's yeah. one of those like everybody like that. <laughs> Even Brentford yeah. fans probably like, oh, why'd you score? But uh, I don't mind if you. I can let that one slide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Buemo was was not quite on his top game, but did get his goal in the end there. So yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, good goal from the end to do, To be fair, mm. uh, Palace Wolves three two. Whoa, 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 whoa. You've missed Sheffield United and Everton, mate. Oh, I thought we'd done that already. No, mate. Oh, that was another that Desmond. Sheffield United's first it points of the season. Another, yeah, that. <clears throat> which. Uh, my, so, my point on this is I think that just shows how bad Everton are. I mean, Beto yeah. looked. He looked all right. Dan Juma looks okay. Decore looks all right as well. Oh, but. Everton are, are just shit. Yeah, they really are. They Especially really at the are. back there. James, James, James Tarkovsky, he looks all right, but the amount of mistakes he makes. But I think that's because he hasn't got that solid player next to him. When Cody was mm. playing last season, them two looked okay together. And then obviously Cody got dropped, different, you know, slight different formation and stuff. And now this season they haven't, got, they don't seem to have a settled back line. And I think that's what always causes a lot of the issues. You know, Pickford is is Pickford. You know what you're going to get pretty much every week now. He's sorted out his club form. You know, he he's kind of taken England form to club now. You know, there'll be one or two mistakes throughout the season, but generally it'll be pretty solid. But if he's not got a settled back four in front of him, he doesn't know what they're going to do. Mm. Yeah, no, I got completely agree. I thought, I, I mean, Pickford kept a minute. They, they would have <laughs> lost did, that yeah. to Pickford. 
he was he was fucking he was outstanding, especially that last that double save at the end there. Yeah, he, he honestly did really incredible. well. Did really well. You know, but how how long does he stay? I I, I worry for Everton. I think if Everton get relegated, Pickford goes. I think there'll there'll be a, there'll be a few players that go there. Yeah, hundred percent. He'll be a mass yeah. exodus. Well, I think it needs but, to be. Yeah. There's a change in the guard then, isn't it? Because they're they're sort of holding on by the skin of their teeth at the moment. Yeah, they've done that for two, three seasons. I think they've been scraping at the bottom and scratching around for points. Kind of since Ancelotti left, really, wasn't it? They, they had quite a good season under him, if I, <clears> if I remember rightly. They had a pretty good season under him, started doing okay. Mm. And then since then, it's just been, yeah, rubbish. Absolutely awful for them. And, and I don't, you know, I mean, you could sort out the defence, but they won't spend that money on their, on their team. So they, the defence needs work. Um, yeah. Because they, but then, you know, if, if Beto isn't, Beto isn't, isn't the man for them, then then they're not going to get those goals. But I mean, Dan Dream, yeah, I don't know, I don't know, mate. It's uh, it's a funny one. Um, but yeah, two two, poor game. Desmond, Desmond, can we move on to the Palace Wolves one now? Is that all right? Do you mind? Yeah, three two. Oh, yeah, three two. Palace are doing well. They're looking good. Wolves, oh, I think we've said it for the last few weeks. I think they're going to be in trouble. Mm. You know, Nunes has gone now as well. He's gone to. Uh, Man City. City was it 50 odd million or something 55 million yeah yep. um, who did who you know had a blinding season last season uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen with them I do uh, I do I do worry but Palace are looking are looking pretty solid you know good attacking play scoring a few more goals they're normally pretty tight at the back so to concede two was a bit of a surprise but I think that's because they were just attacking a bit more and, and obviously there's more space in behind naturally Mm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I thought that the uh, the way they played was was absolutely outstanding. I mean, Eze was was outstanding. he wants to be called Eza now, just FYI. Oh, it Eza. Eza. Sorry, yeah, Eza. Right, okay. Eza was 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 fucking outstanding. I thought Edouard had a, had probably his best game in a in a Palace shirt. He's come um, back in this season, isn't he? It's all of a sudden like, oh, yeah. I remember how to score goals, lads. I didn't realise what we'd score really goals. Yeah, I, I mean, Lerma's come in and, and, and he's done a really good job. They, yeah, they've got a good team. I'm still not sure from how Ayu continuously gets a game, but you know, <laughs> I think like, he must do a lot of work off the ball that you just don't appreciate or realise. That's got to be the only way, or just create space for other players or something. Because I, I mm. totally agree with you. Whenever I've watched Palace, I'm like, what does he do? Not, not really sure to be honest. Um, <laughs> Chasing it down, putting the pressure on, leading, leading that 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 pressure. I, I don't know. I don't know. She doesn't even get many assists. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a weird one. Um, and Mateta as well. Must special shout out for Mateta. He he was very good. Mate, um, that, he turned into prime Ronaldinho. Mm, that pass, good. like, how did he do that? Yeah, just honestly, like he, he's he, he's just turned it up a notch, isn't he? Um, and then we very, had very good yeah. Super Sunday. Oh, hang on, hang on. So I was just going to say, oh, I sorry. think the for, for, uh, Forest Wolves are looking, are looking, you know, 
for, for the amount of money they spent, which isn't a lot, and the amount of money they've received, and the players that got left, they're, they're, they're not doing too bad. They've still got a couple of goals. I think uh, Huang needs to play. He needs to be starting a little bit because he you know, he's getting a couple of goals. Neto looks looks pretty good as well with his two <clears> assists. <throat> so I'm not too worried about Wolves personally. I think there are worse teams down there below them, which will keep them up, I, I think, for me. Um, and that's probably what Wolves were going for when they let Lepsigi go at the start of the season. <laughs> that's a risky tactic, though, isn't it? That, you know, if you're mental, there or thereabouts, you could have a bit of a dodgy run of form, low confidence. You're dragged into that so quickly. Yeah. You know, right. Everton, I think it was last season, season before, were worse than the bottom three. They were playing worse football by far. They just somehow were lucky, grabbed a couple of goals and got a few wins, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, we're okay now. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a risky move, that, but we'll we'll see how they do throughout the season. But I'm keeping an eye on that because I think they could be a shock relegation, that one. Mm, I, don't think, I don't think it would be too much of a shock. I, I just personally think that they'll, they'll do all right and get out of it. Fair enough. We do you want to move on to the, the Scousers? Yeah, I was quite surprised at this. 3-0. I thought Villa would do better than that. I thought Villa would get a goal. I thought I predicted 3-2. I thought it would be quite a bit closer than it actually was. Um, Spozlai, good golf. Well, quality goal in front of the uh, yeah. front of the cop there. Really good goal. Matty Cash was unlucky. Yeah, he was. I, you feel bad. You felt, <laughs> felt bad for him. I did feel bad. Yeah. Um, Salah, lovely finish. Yeah, great finish, yeah. And Nunes I think Nunes scored again. Hit a few times, didn't he? Yeah, I think Nunes he... didn't score. I thought he did. No, no. Supposed like Cash and Salah. Oh, I thought it was Nunes that got the... I didn't realise it was down as Cash. But Nunes is looking... I saw a stat, actually, about Nunes compared to Suarez. Same amount of games, same amount of goals at this point in their Liverpool oh, careers. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, I remember Suarez being a lot better than that. But I think it's because he had that insane season where he scored like 30 goals, didn't he? And they're just like, yeah. wow. He scored, was it about eight yeah. of them or something against Norwich in two games? <laughs> Your favourite team. My favourite team, yeah. Your favourite team. Remember yeah, well. Massive, massive win for Liverpool, that. Confidence filler again, it big, isn't it? It was a big win, yeah. Villa, Villa seem very hit and miss this season, don't they? They're either going to score, they're going to smash five against you or they're going to just capitulate and, and, and concede a few. Um, interest in that Alexandra Arnold positional play where he sort of comes into the middle of the pitch almost as a central defender and then just pings the ball over it, it, like his passing is, is outstanding but it's just interesting how they've how Klopp's had to like adapt the team because quite a new team that he's got now and, and he's yeah. pulling him into the insiders to almost like a like a defensive number 10 it, it's weird yeah yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of an odd one, but I I don't know. Yeah, he kind of goes as a deep line playmaker almost, doesn't he? Mm. Like a CDM without the defensive side, <laughs> and he's a defender by trade, weirdly. <laughs> but yeah, he's, well, he, he sprays he's... balls, doesn't he? Like all around the pitch, and they're so accurate. It's yeah, it's almost like building a team around a player. They found their player. They just yeah. need to find what works best for him. Defensively, you ain't going to get the best out of him. But he, he, you know, he can put he can put his body in the way. But essentially, he's just there to spray balls about, like you say. Yeah, play to his strengths. I think that's the the key thing for them. They can play to his strengths. Mm. I think they're on to a winner. 
and yeah, Which, whenever he does that, they're doing well and they're playing well and they look so much better. With him, what, uh, what do you think about the Salah situation? Do you think he'll? Oh, this is tough, to... isn't it? I don't see him going, but I can understand from the money aspect as well as that culture. Because yeah. religion well, plays I, I, a big factor in all of this as well. Yeah, I agree. You, that's a very good point actually you've made there on the on religion. I completely see that. And two hundred million. million <laughs> lots turned down on it. Yeah, if you're Liverpool, like, I know they're trying to get back in the Champions League and things like that. But two hundred million for a player who's thirty-one, nearly thirty-two. Like, don't get me wrong, Salah, you cannot replace him. Simple as that. There's no way you can replace him in that team. You'll have to play a, a slightly different formation or or style of play to be able to replicate any form of what he he offers the team. Um, but two hundred million or hedge your bets and see if you can get into the Champions League and top four mm. places. Oh, it's difficult. Yeah, it, it, that is the predicament that they're up against for an aging player, um, but still, still in his prime. So, yeah, that that will be interesting. But I think it was Klopp who was having a little moan about Saudi uh, transfer window closing after every other. I think they're the only ones that's open now. I think everybody mm. else is closed. It's just theirs that's open, and that and that is is dangerous for for every other league. It is, but you you can say no. It's, it is dangerous, but you can say no. So he's only saying this because he's worried that now. the owners might say yes. Which, don't well, get me wrong, yeah. rightly so, he's going to be worried, of course. But don't moan about it. No. No, I, I do agree. I think he'll go, though. I think Salah will not be a Liverpool This window. See by the end of this window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that big, big bid coming in and Liverpool going, sorry, but we're going to have to take it. I could be wrong. I'm but do you think happy. Salah wants to go? I think it could be lured. Yeah, I think I think that religious point that you've uh, you've you've pointed out there is is actually a really good one. I, I wonder if there's something there, but also I think the money will be too much to take. And also, if a club accepts a transfer bid, it's kind of an indication to that player that 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 you're not uh, as wanted as maybe you thought you were. So they're they. If it was me, yeah, I see your point. And I'm Salah, and they say they accept a bid for two hundred million. I'd be like, oh, "We also want to fucking go then, so I'll fucking go." Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's important. It'll be interesting to see the sort of conversation we're having next week about him, and uh, and see where we are. But of course, uh, his agent—I've forgotten his name—has come out and said that you know Salah Salah won't be leaving Liverpool. This was a few weeks ago now, so you know it's not things change. But yeah, that might be that might be something to on to if you're a Liverpool fan yeah I think it's he's never going to be able to get that cult hero feeling over at Saudi that what he has at Liverpool I agree so, yeah it depends what he's what he's after and what motivates him I suppose but should we move on to the final game let's do it my man let's do it what Last, an entertaining game certainly not least fucking hell mate well I don't know. Was it an entertaining game? I think there was an entertaining couple of minutes uh, around the sort of 
26, 27, 28 minutes. <laughs> and then there was an interesting end to the game. Like, I, I, yeah. After, other than that, it was kind of Arsenal attacking Man United and then Man United attacking Arsenal and nothing really much happening with, with that. I think there was some um, good play, though, from both teams, admittedly. Yeah. But I do think we did deserve to win. I don't care what any United fans say. Um, obviously, there's another VAR call we'll go over in just a sec, but sure, I think sure Arsenal deserved to win that. I think Arsenal were the better team, yeah. I, I I, think we would naturally say that, but I think if we can put our you know, hands on our hearts, I, I, I would completely take, trying to take the bias out of it, I would say Arsenal were the better team. So should we go through some of that? So, so first, you know, first of all, Rashford, that was a quality goal. Ben White out oh, of position, mate. Saliba out of position, kind of. Uh, it started. Quality goal. Yeah, it, it started from Arsenal's cock-up in midfield. Uh, yeah, shitty pass back. Intercepted by United player. I can't remember who it was. Passed it. Ericsson. And then what a ball into Rashford, though. Need to give that some credit. You're right, Ben Ericsson, White was yeah. out of position, but... Rashford to finish that was it was just quality. It was absolute quality, and every player like the the celebrations annoy me. Rashford's one annoys me because there's not much to it, <laughs> but it's really smug and it irritates me. But yeah. as an England fan, I'm I'm like yeah, well done, you know, great goal, blah 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 blah. As an Arsenal fan, I think oh you fucker, fuck you. Um, but I feel sorry for Ramsdale a little bit with that. Because if he had slightly bigger hands, that's a save. Yeah, that, yeah, or, or just slightly, slightly to his left. You know, it's the small margins. He would have could have palmed that onto the onto the post rather than yeah. the inside of the post, inside of the net. So yeah, I agree. But um, I don't want to take it away but, from Rashford because it was a quality finish, and he, you know, he beat the keeper fair and square. But I think if you're a keeper, ball. I'd rather not get my fingers to it and be like, yeah, it's a great goal. Rather than get my fingers, everyone will then say, Oh, you should have saved that. He got his hand to it, he should have saved that. And you know, when you look at it, there's no way he could have. He got enough to it that he'd done all he could do. That's that's all you can ask from your keeper, yeah. And then 35 seconds later, (laughs) mate, what a goal that was! Just so simple play. You do not give Erdegaard, yeah. (laughs) I was just about to say, you don't give a player that much space, do you? Mental, absolutely mental. And then there was a couple of VAR calls, weren't there? So the first one was the pen on Havertz, which, for me, again, I've looked, I've looked at it with, 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 with like no, like trying to get rid of all bias, and I cannot understand how that has not been given. He, no, Juan Bissaka clips, clips his ankle, and he falls over. I mean, they're talking about play acting and stuff. I, I didn't I didn't I couldn't and I didn't see it. I thought it was a penalty. Yeah, I thought it was. And I've I've watched that replay so many times. Me too. And there's contact. Like I don't think he's gone down that easy because he's you know, he's going at some pace to get that ball as well. You've got that mm. forward momentum. Any sort of shove, if it knocks you off balance slightly, which it did, it's it's knocked his his sort of leg and his ankle inwards. So he's gonna lose his balance slightly and you're gonna go down. And when you're in the penalty box, every player is going to go down a little bit easier anyway. Yeah. You know, if they feel contact, I, they're going to go down. But it didn't look like he he was diving to the floor. It was, I'm just kind of going to let myself fall here rather than a dive. And I think that's different because there was contact. 
But how they overturn that, I don't know. I just do not know. No, uh, I would. I would love to find that. I mean, uh, yeah, I'd love to find out how that was. How that was a judge. But also, so I, so I watched. I watched it again on, on Match of the Day too, and watched, you know, just thought some more analysis on it. And they didn't even fucking mention the penalty. I was a bit. I was a bit. I thought it was a bit weird that they didn't analyse that. But anyway, because of the next analyzed, incident, they analysed the offside for Garnacho's mm. goal heavily. So. I'll tell you my thoughts and then you can go. So, so go I think it's offside because the, the rules state that that's the angle that you go for. So I think it is offside. Yeah. But judging by the rules, I can see Ten Hag's argument that if you if you look at it from a different angle, then it might not be offside. But you go by what the rules say the the angle is, and it is offside. And I think if you draw the lines. Is it's still offside on that angle that that Ten Hag has suggested that we all look at? So I think the right decision. Yeah, I agree, and I think as much as we don't really back VAR too often, um, there's only so much VAR can do because of the amount of cameras that's there. Unless you've got, you know, a couple of hundred cameras around the stadium, covering every single angle possible, you're never going to be able to get that perfect. You're never going to get that perfect. So whatever angle you're working off, it's got to be within those margins of you know a couple of couple of feet, couple of meters, whatever it is at the moment. But I don't see Ten Hag's point of he's onside. I can't no. see it because every angle you can see that part of his body is ahead of the Arsenal player. So I mean, mm. don't get me wrong, quality, neat finish. I know it's, that it's <laughs> obviously when we were talking well, to Johnny. It? Uh, we were sort of pointing at the screen next to us like, oh, no, United have scored. Um, and it was like, oh, OK, uh, this is not good. Mm. And then it wasn't. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, I, I I, thought that. What did you think of the, the penalty on, is it Hoyland? Hoyland, Hoyland isn't it? Yeah, Hoyland. Do you know what? I, shout. Sorry, I, I didn't see it. I think I was... Okay. Uh, my attention wasn't there then. I haven't looked at it fully back after with the analysis okay. yet. Yeah, I've had I've had a I've had a little look at these sorts of things. But anyway, it doesn't. Matter. So <laughs> All I, right, I, little dig there, Cheers, I, mate. No, 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 no. <laughs> I didn't mean that. Um, I, I can see. I've seen those given, so I could see. I can understand the argument of that. But for, for me, I think it. You know, he he was just using his body to get Hoyland out of the way. So I, I can see why it wasn't given, but. I think another ref another day that would have been given and there probably wouldn't have been too much of an argument about it but I mean certainly if you're not giving the Havertz one you ain't giving that one no, yeah. no chance and I think that probably swayed um, the decision a little bit to be honest with you that would yeah. have come into the ref's mind of well and that's not given and I thought it was hmm I think so I think so and then of course we had Declan Rice score what uh, a mad sixth minute mad finish Great finish. Uh, came off uh, Phil, Phil Jones, who was partnered with Maguire at the end there. Which, yeah, yeah, that was... Uh, questionable for me. Um, uh, Phil Jones, he's left. You mean Johnny Evans? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I thought yeah. so, yeah. Sorry. Um, it's not like me to get a player's name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, not you. <laughs> Legend. 
Um, yeah, what a, a weird, um, weird defensive partnership there. Did not see that one coming, and I'm sure United fans will not be better pleased seeing seeing that too often this season. No, and and there was there were shouts, weren't there? For, for there was a foul from Gabriel on Evans. On, on, oh, mate, sure it's the no. other way. Like, yeah, it was more of a foul on Gabriel than it was on on Evans. But you know, um, Ten Hag was was upset with that. And then there was no arguments about Jesus' finish. He never scored against Man United. What a goal. Mate, yeah, what a goal to do it. Um, I just want to say that with Declan Rice's goal, did you have, have you watched it back and stuff? Do you see how much he was celebrating and how much that goal yeah. meant to him? It meant a lot to him. So his first goal. It looked as though he had come through the Arsenal ranks as a youth player mm. and that was his first goal for his club at senior level like you could it was genuinely just as passionate as what Saka was when he scored his first goal and what Eddie was when he scored his it was just like in Smith Rowe as well it, it was just it well, just seems so nice just seems so not fuck you just seems so <laughs> nice to, to see it and he's just like you could see him he's got that swag about him like just fucking scored for Arsenal here we go let's kick on yeah. I could add because he's adding many. goals to his game now but yeah, Jesus is yeah. finished though. Oh my god, what a beautiful goal. Yeah, Darlow I thought was catching him. I thought shit, Darlow's got him here. Turned him. Yeah. Sat him down. <laughs> Bang. Quality with it. Absolutely quality. So good. so good. Loved it. Yeah, just a, a mad ten minutes at the end, which was I didn't think we was gonna get it. And part of me, like don't get me wrong, ninety five percent of me is really happy we got a three one win. Five percent's mm. pissed off because I had two one, <laughs> <laughs> so I would have had three points on the predictions. So yeah, a little bit gutted, but yeah, at the same time, so I'd, I'd, I'd rather Arsenal you. win than me. So yeah, I beat you. Never mind, never mind. Um, so yeah, next week we will do the roundups in a bit more detail again. We will do yeah, we'll have a bit more time. Obviously, international breaks will go through uh, probably a few weeks worth and stuff like that. But and we do have we do have another guest on next week as well, which is good. We have um, yeah, who so we I'm got? Not gonna, I'm not going to drop any names. It's a bit of a oh, bit okay. of a surprise. But he is on next week. He's a he's a big football man, big football man. So it'll be good conversations and uh, hopefully some some good insight as well. But yeah, should we uh, yeah. should we chop this here and then uh, we'll get Johnny's section up ready for the listeners? Chop this here. Yeah, let's chop this here. Wicked. Cheers, mate. Thanks as always. Here's Johnny. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, guys. Please make sure that you're following us across all of our social media platforms. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, and we're on Twitter. Uh, so make sure you follow us so you don't miss a single thing. Uh, for Instagram, it is at footballdroppodcast. For Twitter, at footballdroppod. Or just search us on Facebook, the Football Drop Podcast. Hey guys, here at the Football Drop Podcast, we'd love to hear all your comments, feedback and funny stories. If you'd like us to share them on the pod, please email us at footballdroppodcast at hotmail.com. Thank you. Welcome back. We have a special guest with us today. We've got Johnny. Uh, hi, John. Johnny. Oh, John. Guys, thanks for having me on. How'd you, how, yeah, yeah. Johnny? Nice to nice to see you. Thanks for coming on. Uh, so, first question, really. First off, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and you know what what you've been up to and and yeah, just give us a bit of a background, really, on on everything, Johnny. Yeah, sure. Um, so, I'm a football writer. Um, I've recently released a new book called Matchfit. Um, so it talks about mental health in football. Um, really wide-ranging book. Um, there's all sorts of topics, uh, anything from the, the mental health challenges facing professional players, so whether that be the, the increased pressure on them, uh, dealing with retirement, injury, um, addiction as well, which I think is quite um, quite a topical one at the minute. Um, if you look at Deli Ali's recent interview, for example, with, with, with his painkiller addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few chapters on uh, on the managers. So again, um, similar, uh, very unique job, I guess. Um, certainly unlike anything uh, I might do in the office and the, the pressures on that. And then it goes all the way through to um, the supporters. So how my mental health might be affected by supporting a football team and how I can use football to, to benefit my mental health. So really wide ranging. And the, the aim of it really is to try and help people um, learn about mental health, specifically their own mental health, I think. Um, so that if they feel like they need to, to get help and realistically probably everyone goes through a, a phase of feeling down at some point in their lives then they feel more comfortable in doing that yeah really important really important subject so it's uh, something that's close to my heart actually um, so I know that's great so a little bit so you, the book is it is it out now? yeah it came out uh, last Monday so nearly a week now um, it's available on Amazon Waterstones um, quite a few places online to be honest um, so yeah, that's that's probably the best place to to look for it at the minute. Okay, great. And is this your first first book? You got a couple more out? Um, it's actually my second. So <laughs> my first book um, it's called Six Out of Minutes. Again, you can find it at Amazon Waterstones, um, all sort of major retailers online. Um, I wrote that one when I was nineteen. Um, okay. It was so when I was still at university, looking to to fill the time really over the summer. I had something I, I kind of need to do if, if I'm. I find if I don't have anything to do, my mind kind of plays tricks on, it, on, on itself a little bit and mm-hmm. I can go down into a spiral of depression. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's why I took up writing, really. Um, it talks about my experiences watching the team I support, Sutton United. Okay. Um, so I'm, I've been a massive fan my whole life, really. Um, and we had a, a great FA Cup run a few years back. Um, you, everyone probably remembers it now for the fat goalkeeper that ate pie. I'll say pie gate, um, isn't it? That's the big thing. Yeah, about it. obviously not um, not the memories that that I would have taken from it, of course, yeah. given how 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 crazy the run was. Um, so it talks about that and my other experiences watching something that came out in November 2019, and I, I just got the bug 
uh, for writing from doing that. Um, I'd never really intended it to get published. It was just something to do. Um, and yeah, that, that led me on into, into Matchfit. Okay. And That's then... That was impressive, isn't it? Yeah. 19, you was like, I, needed to, I just need to do something. So you wrote a book. Yeah. I mean, uh, my mates were saying, so we, we, we'd always be at the pub and we'd be... You'd go, oh, do you remember that night against... Um, whoever it might be, like Dover in wherever or against... <laughs> That Eastbourne Borough away in 2013, <laughs> and all, all this stuff. And they were saying uh, some of the stories that I had, it, it, it would be worth writing them down because some of them were quite um, quite different, I guess, to the, the experience of a Premier League fan. I was I was one of 13 fans that went to Barrow away on a Tuesday night, for example. Um, wow. the, the kind of sad case that I am. <laughs> uh, so they, they, so they were saying, yeah, write it down. Um, and it's the sort of thing that we would read. Um, and so I was thinking that, you know, I'd be writing a Word doc and sending it on email and 10 people would read it and that'd be that. Um, and just, again, it's, it comes back to this needing something to do. I thought, well, I've written it now. I might as well try and get it published. And, um, yeah, eventually, so, yeah, November 2019 would have been uh, nearly two years after I wrote it. But, um, yeah, got there in the end and it's just, it's led me on to, to more writing today. And and how did that go? How was the uh, launch of of your first book? Um, it it was pretty good. It it did really well because um, I, I launched it at Sutton in the bar after the game. Okay. Um, a local derby against Bromley as well. The, the club have always been really supportive. Um, so I got quite a few sales um, through Sutton fans basically. Mm. Um, we had a couple of big spikes after it came out. So we got promoted to the football league in twenty twenty one. Um, which was a real underdog story. I mean, we were one of only, I think it was like three non-professional teams in the National League, the conference that season. Um, and it, it was COVID season as well. So everything was behind closed doors and it all felt a bit weird. It wasn't normal. Mm. Um, and the season, we started really well, won our first five games. As the season went on, it was it was like when Leicester won the Premier League. It, it changed from, we're trying to get 50 points to stay up to... And we might get in the playoffs and then with five or six games to go and it literally wasn't until that point I actually like allowed myself to think we might win the league here and when wow. we did it was a you know, it was a real feel-good story a massive shock because um, you look at some of the teams we were competing against so the likes of Wrexham for mm-hmm. example mm. um, and that got picked up um, by quite a bit of mainstream media so it was on the BBC Jackie Oatley picked up in it um, and that gave it a bit of a spike as well um, so it's, I think it's around a thousand sales now, um, which is pretty cool, oh, and it's still, um, well still, Great. still goes, yeah. Thank you. Um, it, it's still getting a few sales now, actually, um, from the launch of Matchfit, uh, which is pretty cool. Brilliant. And how was the launch of Matchfit? How did um, that go last week? It, it's going well so far. Um, it was so that on Amazon, you can see like where books are trending. Um, which I've been like monitoring it every five minutes. Um, <laughs> we had we had a spell, probably no more than like half an hour, where it was ahead of um, Messi's biography. Oh wow! Um, so that, Do you screenshot so that? that? Was, like, <laughs> like screen grab, yeah. <laughs> Shamelessly. Shamelessly. But I thought. Um, Got to try and make the most of this. Uh, yeah, the novelty of, of being ahead of Messi's book was pretty cool. Um, it's so it was peaked at I think fifty-two in football books, Brilliant. Um, which isn't too bad at all. It's um, around sixty or seventy now, so still doing pretty well. And then wow. uh, the absolute classic. I launched it at Sutton yesterday. Um, very similar to um, Six Hundred Minutes with uh, 
not not as successful results. The, the book's not about Sutton, um, obviously, Matt Strip. So it was um, yeah. a bit harder to get that target audience in, uh, and we lost, which didn't help. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that I've got a few uh, sales of the of the book yesterday as well, which is great, and hopefully it will it will stay relevant um, as time goes on as well. Sounds amazing. Yeah, it does. So yeah. Talk us through, you know, what gave you the the idea initially for Match Fit and what the inspiration kind of was behind it I also appreciate there's there's a little bit of a, a personal story obviously by the sound of it which started obviously in the previous book um, but just I guess for the listeners perspective as well as us you know talk us talk through the the inspiration behind it all then if you can yeah so when I was in my teenage years really the, the time that I was writing about in six hundred minutes I, I really struggled with my mental health um, I, I'd have days where I'd just I couldn't really get out of bed in the morning. I'd cry myself to sleep on Sunday quite a lot, so I didn't want to go to school on the Monday. And the challenge really came from going from primary school, where I knew everyone, it was like literally five minutes from my house. Um, I went to a secondary school in like the nearest big town. Um, it was a, a grammar school, um, and all of my mates, pretty much, in fact, yeah, literally everyone, um, went to a different secondary school. So I knew nobody um, going into secondary school. and. I, I found it kind of hard to adjust to, um, struggled with that and kind of never never really till I went to uni, um, adapted to it. But I wouldn't have known um, that I had issues with my mental health. Uh, if you said, oh, you're, you know, are you, do you have any issues with your mental health? Are you struggling? I would have looked to you, I would have been confused, I think, because um, I'd never really heard the term mental health. I thought mm. it was just normal for people to, to feel crap a lot of the time. Um, that you know it was a tough adjustment for everyone so it wouldn't be just me feeling like this and it wasn't until I went to university that I realized actually yeah um, I can get help here like I don't have to feel this way um, so I thought when I was that age or at any point really I wouldn't have gone out of my way to learn about mental health I didn't know about it and it kind of suited me to stay in my um, you know, kind of my lane and not not put myself out of my comfort zone to get help but I've always been obsessed with football um, and I've read and, and will continue to read plenty of books about football mm. so my thinking is that if I write a book about mental health and football and combine the two then a lot of people that um, perhaps don't really understand their own mental health or, or even uh, you know don't necessarily believe in mental health will be interested enough in the football side of things to buy the book and then we'll learn something from it. So I hope it's the sort of book that would have helped um, the, the teenage version of me when I was 15 to 18. Um, and hopefully people from their teens up to you know um, old age now, I think it's something that can help people learn. Um, but as, as well as just enjoying the, the football side of things, I think I've been pretty comprehensive of the research. I mean, it's taken me three and a half years to write this book. <laughs> Um, so it's, there's a lot of a lot of stuff in there, and I think people will find just the football side interesting, but there is also the the learning element that comes almost as a, an additional benefit. So that's the thinking, um, and hopefully if it you know, if it helps one person, then I think it's it's all been worth it. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, yeah. no, I completely agree. Um, and you you've uh, I think you've got some sort of people in your book who who professional, former professionals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So there's sixty, sixty odd interviews. Um, so loads of different stuff. Wow. Um, there's a few big names in there. Um, so Chris Kirkland um, talks a bit about social media, um, and he's the ambassador for a 
a social media company now uh, called Yappa, which is um, trying to promote just the positive side of social media and get away from the negative so it has no likes, um, no pictures as well, and it's more about just how you're feeling. So Chris was really interesting. Uh, Marvin Sordell was fascinating. So he retired from professional football um, in his late 20s by choice. Mm-hmm. Um, just because he, he felt that he wasn't enjoying it. In fact, well, he felt it was compromising his mental health by playing um, in such a toxic environment for him. So he still plays football um, on you know, a social level. Um, he, he actually plays for a, a charity team, a charity that I'm partnered with called Better. Um, but he quit professional football because he, he just felt it was so toxic. Um, I talked to Paul Lambert, so former uh, Norwich and Aston Villa manager, mm. about the, the pressures of management, and that was really interesting because he's obviously played at um, the top level, um, mm. most notably with Dortmund as well. So there, there are a few big names in there, and there are a few more, I won't go through them all, um, which hopefully can make people think, well, if um, you know, if Marcus Bent, if Marvin Sordell, if Chris Kirkland, if Paul Lambert, you know, all people that have achieved a lot in what's stereotypically a macho environment, if they can talk about their mental health, then so can I. And it's a, it's a sign of strength rather than a sign of weakness. And it's benefited them to do so. So that's the thinking of getting some of those names in there um, as, as part of the, the interviewees I spoke to. Mm. And, and you talk about that kind of toxic culture within football and masculinity is, is about you, you don't feel sad, you don't talk about your mental health, you you know stiff up a lip kind of thing and, and you just sort of crack on with it, don't talk about it. And the the key emphasis then from from those guys and a few other things and, and I'm assuming from your book as well is about talking about your feelings and, and what's going on for you. Yeah, I, I think like you say, football stereotypically has been kind of just you know crack on with it. It's the, the team above yourself, and you you're not expected to to voice your own issues in the changing room. But actually, um, again, coming back to the, the Delhi Alley interview, and there are so many more cases like this that we won't know about, by the way. Mm. Um, if you are struggling with your mental health, you're not going to play at the, at the peak of your game. I mean, Stan Coymore is one. Um, I read his book as part of the research, and he said the clubs where he felt valued, he always did very well as a footballer. Um, South End, Liverpool, for example. Moved to Aston Villa, um, the club he supported as well, I think. So mm. like, a dream move for him in theory. Um, and the manager openly criticised him for speaking about his depression. And he, I mean, he did pretty terribly there. I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying if he happened to be watching <laughs> this. But um, his, his struggles were at the clubs where he didn't feel valued as a person. So football clubs, not only should they be looking after their players on a, on a pure well-being level, um, which probably isn't, isn't the case and certainly hasn't been historically, even if we're being really cynical here and think, you know, clubs only see players as assets which probably hasn't been uh, too far from the truth yeah. then they should probably still be looking at their players mental health purely on a performance based level and if you've got a player that isn't playing well isn't happy and you want to sell him you're not going to you're not going to get your sort of 80 to 100 millions are you that we see in football these days and it's only when players are at the top of their game mm-hmm. so really I think that it, it benefits the football world um, as a is the even with the dark side of the industry, if you like, the the massive fees and the the win at all cost mentality. I don't think that's at odds with mental health. I think maybe that's my point here. It's um, football and uh, and players involved in football. 
will actually be stronger and do better when they're talking about their mental health, which makes um, that openness a strength rather than a weakness. And the, the sooner football realises this and moves away from the, the old school macho environment, um, the, the better it will become for everyone involved. I think there's 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 things out there at the minute, and I I'm, I've only recently started to watch Ted Lasso. I don't know if you've seen that, but like you you can kind of get the sense that that's like his managerial style, and you wonder as well if like things like that are coming into the game more and more now, with that sort of gentle touch and that understanding and that sort of just leading with empathy. Did, was there was there you know in your discussions and through your book is there sort of signs glimmers of hope? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think there was a few people that said that the younger generation of players coming through now are starting to see mental health and, and psychology in general mm. as a more impo- important part of their game. So a lot of young players are paying for um, psychologists to work with them, um, to work on their mentality, um, even if the clubs aren't putting it on. And if you look 20 years into the future, uh, the players of today are the managers of 20 years' time. So that attitude will become more normalised. I think at the minute, I think we've made progress in the last 10 years, the same as the rest of society. And managers like Gareth Southgate now are known for, for leading with empathy. Um, give it 20 years time and it will become much more normalised. You, you probably still do have, um, I guess you call them dinosaurs in the game now. Um, people that probably haven't have adjusted as much as as they should have done. and But you'll start to see that as, as players value psychology and their mental health and well-being more, um, the, the old school style of management uh, won't work anymore. Um, you, you won't be able to just shout at your players all the time to, to cast off your injured players to, to treat them as assets because this is, this is when managers will lose the dressing room, so mm. to speak. So yeah, I, I, I do see hope for the future. I do see things like um, Deli Ali's interview is massive, I think, for for normalising mental health conversation, for making everyone realise that whether we like it or not, these things happen, um, and encouraging people to, to seek help. Um, even look, look at like you know Tony Adams back in the nineties and and his addiction. I mean that was probably a big step for football when when he came forward, got help, and continued to play at the top level. Um, there would have been so many more suffering in silence. There still will be, and today with addiction, gambling um, in particular, and, and painkillers and I think Deli Ali's paved the way for, for everyone to realise mm-hmm. that they, they can um, work on their mental health and, and stay at the top of their game and, and will benefit by doing so. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. And and you've, you sort of alluded earlier to that, the managerial side of things as well. So not just players, but managers and, and their mental health and, and supporters as well, which is something that, I, to be honest, I never really, I never really thought of, but... That, yeah, of course, that managers are going to suffer with that. It's a high-stress job. And supporters as well, yeah. You know, it, it, when when you talk about supporters and mental health, what, what specifically do you find, you know, has been the issues that, that you've raised? Yeah, I actually love that chapter, the supporters one. Um, it, it's probably my favourite if I had to pick one because okay. it's like writing about myself. <laughs> Um, so if someone asked me why are you a football fan why do you go to why do you go to Barrow away on a Tuesday night why do you like, why do you travel the length of the country to watch a team that at the minute have lost five games in a row why am I going to Swindon next Saturday to watch a team that have lost five games in a row <laughs> um, it, it, it's, it's very hard to answer the question logically like you if you try and explain it to your girlfriend your, your wife like 
even some of your mates aren't into football, it's like, well, actually, how do I explain this? Yeah. But you still do it, and nothing's going to change that. Um, I've always kind of pondered over that question myself. Um, there's someone I spoke to um, called uh, Alan Pringle, who'd done his PhD on why people are football fans. So he's, okay. he's done the proper research into this stuff. Wow. Um, and he had a, a list of reasons, and we talked through them. And it's, it's like looking in a mirror, honestly. Um, so a, a big thing... Um, well, his his headline finding is that being a football fan is beneficial for your mental health, which I I think as much as we joke, oh, it's, you know, my, my mental health suffers by watching Sutton, like whoever your team, whoever you support. Um, I think it is it is beneficial. Um, so there's a sense of hope is the main thing for me. So I can be having a terrible week, um, but I know at the end of it, if I can just get through to Friday at five o'clock, then on Saturday I'm going to meet up with all my mates. Um, have a good time, go to the football. We might win, but if we lose, then the sense of hope just renews itself for next week. Like I think, we, I still think we have a good chance of winning next week, and even if we don't, well, we might. Um, we're going to win at some point. So that sense of hope is always there to pull you through. I think the community side of things is really important as well. Um, a lot of the time with depression and anxiety, it causes you to become withdrawn. So when I look back on my teenage years and I was suffering with depression and anxiety, didn't really want to go out because I, I was in a, a state of low mood. I couldn't bring myself to go out. Um, if I was feeling slightly better on that sense, that my anxiety levels would be quite high. So I didn't really feel confident meeting new people. I still don't to a point. Um, but football is a good way of making sure that at least once a week I'm going to go out the house because I'm not missing a game. So I'm going to see all my mates on a Saturday. Um, I don't even have to try and organise anything because we all know that the meeting point is Gander Green Lane at half past two. We're going to go to the bar for a bit and go to the game. Or, mm. you know, when it's an away game, you just put a, a train time in your group chat. That's it. We're on the 9.03 or whatever to Swindon. Oh, wow. And it's all sorted. And I think catharsis as well. Um, if I built up my frustration through the week, then on a Saturday for 90 minutes, I can shout at the players, the referee, the opposition supporters, have a bit of a sing-song, get it all off my chest um, for 90 minutes, knowing that it's kind of socially acceptable to do that. You know, I'm yeah. not going to go out um, get in a nightclub fight or anything like that, take my frustration out the wrong way, no. and then go, go back to life on, on Monday morning. So there's so many things uh, in football that can help support us, <coughs> things that um, are, are part of general mental health conversation that are just inherent in football um so yeah i, I absolutely love that chapter it's really insightful um kind of looking almost into my own mind and of um, many other people that watch football as well i'm sure yeah. yeah it's interesting that whole like 90 minute piece about watching a game like i know that we've gone to games before and you know, we could have a, a shitty week and yeah as you said you know you feel in low mood or whatever but for that 90 minutes even if, if you're watching a game on tv or whatever nothing else mm. matters mm. like when you are passionate about yeah. your football team what, as you said whatever team it may be could be Arsenal it could be Sutton it could be you know as you said Dover or something like that and yeah you're right for that 90 minutes you just nothing else matters in the world like your life is almost put on hold yeah yeah it's a great distraction um, I think it, it's great to have that respite um, even though you, yeah, you've got to go back to your normal life afterwards you know you're at least going to have that period and it's the same when you're playing football as well. 
Um, yeah. When I'm playing five aside on a Wednesday night for, for 40 minutes, um, you know, my mind is just completely on the game. You don't have the capacity to think elsewhere, even if you wanted to. You've got to concentrate where your next pass is going. Are you tracking your runner? Yeah. Where absolutely. are your teammates? So playing football as well, um, very similar to being a supporter, especially with the social side, being a team sport. Um, I think it's a great thing um, to be involved in. And certainly I don't play at any great level. Um, but just playing socially on a Wednesday, um, it, it keeps me going, it keeps me ticking over, something to look forward to. Um, so there's a chapter as well um, focused on grassroots players. So we're, we're talking like five aside Sunday, you know, Sunday morning, mm. like hungover from the night before, um, <laughs> happy marshes sort of thing. Um, it's something everyone can do. Um, and uh, it, again, it's something I'd really encourage as yeah, a, a way to stay on top of your mental health um, through using football basically for your benefit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, just it's yeah, it it is just a a crazy, crazy effect football can have. You know, positives and negatives, of course. There's always two sides of uh, of the coin. Um, but I guess from like a wider perspective, what do you think? I guess football generally, whether it's grassroots or you know the 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 top tier of like Premier League, etc. What do we need to do more so to raise awareness of all of this? Um, yeah, really good question. Um, it's I think it's all about normalising it. Um, so yeah, the big name players talking about their mental health makes it okay for other people to do so. Yeah. Um, it, it, making the the kind of the, making it normal to think that uh, mental health is a strength. So pointing out the the benefits in that. Um, if you're feeling more more on top of yourself, really. Um, if, if you're feeling good about yourself, you're going to play with confidence, um, you're going to feel better. It, it's the same for me in an office job than it, uh, it is for someone on the football pitch. Um, as to how the football world itself can can help the mental health of its players, I think there needs to be structured plans in place for some of the challenges um, that players face. So one thing that I found really interesting and a campaign that I now support is to end all gambling advertising in mm. football. Um, I think uh, like addiction is a big issue, not only for players. You look at like Ivan Tony getting a, a gambling-related yeah. ban, for example, but also supporters. Um, so if, if you've struggled with a gambling addiction in the past, you've been recovering for that for a period of time, six months, say, and you go back to the football and all you're seeing is um, bet here, bet there, bet everywhere. Just adverts on shirts, um, yeah. billboards at the side of the pitch in the stands. It's a very tough environment to send people back to. So I think, uh, and I, I get there are challenges with it because the, the money from sponsorship is can be big for clubs, um, even at a more micro level. I know there, there are podcasts with gambling sponsors and it, and it helps them keep going. Yeah, um, it so it's not going to be break, something... Isn't it? You know, it, it mm. can be make or break for certain clubs of you know, certain levels as well that that two three hundred grand a year or something will pay the players or something like that and you know it keeps them as you said you know ticking over to a point yeah i mean it would have to be a managed um decline rather than pulling the, the rug out overnight but I, I think that there's research there that suggests it can be done um certainly it's not going to be by next season um that we we have no gambling advertising but there are clubs that are signed up to what's called the big step so that's the, um, the campaign by a charity called Gambling With Lives to, to end all advertising, um, or gambling advertising, sorry, in football. Um, so Luton Town has signed up, for example. Um, oh, it's okay. not done them any harm. So, no. they, 
so yeah, they've managed to take themselves up to the Premier League. Um, Chanmere Rovers, Forest Green, um, both clubs that are reasonably well run, sustainably in League Two, um, no, no financial issues there. So it can be done. Um, it, I think we've seen not, it be done as well with like smoking, alcohol, things yeah. like that. So so yeah, it definitely can be done. There's just a reluctance to do it, but gambling addiction is is it's huge like I, I, I know people that have been affected by it personally and I, I just think what, what, what more needs to happen for us to actually do something about it but I'm sure there was something came out maybe it was middle or early last season with the Premier League stuff about shirt sponsors wasn't it Forrest was scratching around for someone and they needed and they was going to have a betting company or something and I'm sure something came out about it saying that not you know they can't be front shirt sponsors after I think 2026 Maybe yeah, 2027. I think it's 26, 27 season in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, they're there to phase out sponsorship by, from the front of shirts, I think it is. But there's but still stuff still... going on at the back. And Arsenal, mm. like, I don't, I hate slating my own club, but we literally announced this week that we've got a global partnership with a betting company. And I saw mm. it, you know, plastered all over LinkedIn, and there's a lot of people just absolutely slating it, whether they're Arsenal fans or, or just general football fans or not even football fans, just, you know, every Tom, Dick and Harry everyone is slating that, that sort of idea and I thought yeah I, I think you're kind of right like clubs need money at the end of the day but when you're a big club like that mm. you can get a sponsorship somewhere else you know there will mm. 100% be companies that will go we'll step in and do that that have got yeah, a better I, reputation from a social standing you know mm. I think it's important that we feel comfortable criticising our own club I mean, looking at Sutton, we when we played Arsenal in the FA Cup fifth round, we had a, a one-off shirt sponsorship with Sunbets. Um, you can imagine how that went down. That <laughs> there was a big kind of argument within the club. Um, a lot of our fans uh, criticised the the board um, for it. So it, it got us a lot of money, and it, like I understand why they did it because we're not the sort of club that makes um, millions of pounds in TV money. Um, so we we had the the money something like half a million and it was to pay for the academy changing room. So it's like there's a reason we've done it, but the sun has questionable um, links with the football world anyway. <laughs> um, <and> it, <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> that was a very polite, professional way of saying that, Johnny. <laughs> This is not a great combination, um, and sure enough, that paved the way for Pygate, um, and that's a, oh, a whole other podcast topic, really. Yeah. But, um, the, and the, the club did apologise for it, um, and I don't, I certainly don't think it's anything they're going to do again. So I think it is important that, um, say, when you see something we, we don't like with our clubs, I think that's one of the things we can do to, to help challenge it. And look at um, Mason Greenwood and the, mm. the pressure from fans around that, and that's helped what I think is the right decision ultimately. Um, to yeah. be made so there is fan power at play here yeah certainly yeah. we I mean, spoke Mason, about that last week didn't yeah, we yeah well, a couple of weeks ago yeah the Mason Greenwood stuff is that was a, a touchy subject and it's yeah it's, I mean as you've rightly said it's probably an episode for, like a whole different podcast topic I think for that um, but I mean the the power of, of the fans is incredible you know certain things I mean the, the Super League thing was the big example wasn't it where for every fan basically football fan in the world kicked off and it's, it's not spoken about anymore, you know, and it, you know everyone sort of uh, left there pretty much straight away. So you know, the, I think fans need to do a do do our own part of that as, as well. Whether it's pushing sponsorships, whether it's 
you know, kicking off about these these betting sponsorships or or whatever it may be, maybe we need to do something on that from a fan perspective. Mm. And and further education and support on mental health as well, I think is is certainly needed because it's it's you don't see any kind of advertisement or anything like that from any of these clubs really, unless you know, unless you unless I'm completely mistaken, on what people can do to improve their mental health and how they can improve to improve their mental health. Um, I, I, I can't think of anything where I've seen anything really. I know they do things locally within their local community as teams, but nothing else. Yeah, I mean, you're right. A lot of the, well, every Premier League club has a community foundation and the Premier League provide funding for that. And most of these programs have some sort of mental health arm, mm-hmm. but it's not really shouted about. Um, so Newcastle are probably an exception, and Everton as well do very good work. I know of um, Newcastle. I, I featured them in the book. I went up to um, the Premier League game against Aston Villa, um, where Be a Game Changer, which is their uh, mental health campaign as part of the foundation, um, was really given a shout out. It was. Um, it was plastered all over the, the warm-up shirts. It was on the, the advertising boards before the game. They had a big banner, which I think they showed during lockdown as well, actually, when um, the stadiums were empty and that, that was shown on the seats. So I think the, the provision is to an extent there, and it, it can be better for a lot of clubs. Um, but it, it's something they can shout about more. Um, I mean, Newcastle have a great community programme. Um, if the club can, can keep shouting about it, then more people get help. Mm. Um there are cases of plenty of cases that I saw in the book um, at Newcastle where fans have received mental health support. It's similar to me, like not even knowing they were struggling with their mental health because the club's badge is on the program. You know, there, there are people that see Newcastle United as like a religion. Um, yeah. And for yeah. every Premier League club, really, it's the same. So if you see the Newcastle United badge on something, you're attracted to you're you're not just going to disregard mental health because the the Newcastle United badge legitimizes it it gives it um an importance and you pay attention to it absolutely so i think that's probably the main thing um where clubs can help their supporters they've all got the provision there without me knowing the details just shout about it um really um promote it um and and that will draw people in and and people will, will therefore yeah, through your football is your excuse essentially to receive mental health support, and that's I think it's so powerful. Football for so many people is a massive part of their lives, and people have an affinity to their clubs, um, which can be used, um, yeah, for for good really. That's great. If Absolutely. you if you could change, add change, I don't know, remove what you know, whatever it is, you you could make one thing different. What what would it be in football for you to improve mental health? Ooh, <laughs> what, what a great question. Um, so the, uh, the the gambling one is is a kind of obvious one um, for me. Let me see if I can think. I, I can think of a few things. That, so I think if a gay player came out um, yeah. in Premier League, that would be massive. Mm-hmm. Not really something I can change, so I won't. <laughs> I won't think that's my answer. But that that would be. I think that would be a big step forward for the football world. Yeah. Um, I, I think just I, I think the main thing um, would be more top level players um, and current players as well talking about their mental health mm. so a lot of the interviewees in my book are, are, were retired players um, and it was quite hard to to speak to someone who is still playing a lot of the time their agent was standing in the way so I, I think there's a kind of 
concern amongst um, people in the football world that talking about mental health will will be a negative to someone's value, which is crazy. Mm. Um, is that a brand awareness thing? Sorry to interrupt. I'm just keen, I, like, because obviously you said about the Newcastle, like the brand awareness side will obviously entice people to come in and it's your football team. But if there's a player, obviously you'll be representing, you know, a, a mental health charity or whatever. If people don't quite like that, you could potentially suffer abuse from that. Sorry. I, I think it's from the agent's perspective, it's a player value thing. I think there's a concern that it will be seen as a weakness in someone. Or so if there's a choice between two identical players for 30 million, one of them's spoken about their mental health and one of them's not said anything. The player who's spoken about their mental health issues will be seen as a liability yeah, compared exactly. to the player who hasn't. And the two things I'd say about that, one I've already said is that um, I don't think it's a weakness. I think if you're able to um, get mental health help, you'll be more on top of your game. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that the player that's not spoken about mental health hasn't experienced poor mental health, hasn't suffered from their mental health. They just haven't said anything about it. So I don't think um, that the openness is what makes you a liability at all. I, I think the football world... Um, gets mental health and mentality confused they think uh, a lot of people think that if your mental health if you go through a bad period of mental health your your mentality is all wrong you're, you're focusing on the wrong thing so it's it it's um yeah i think it's a, a common um, mistake really that football world makes so if i could change one thing it would be what well, change one thing it's, it's more of a structural thing than, than one overnight thing <laughs> but um more, more big name current players talking about mental health um do you see aaron ramsdale's thing the other day yeah, where, where he yeah. spoke a little bit about about that and having a, a brother i think who's gay i think that sort of thing um, we need more of that mm. you know current player top of his game playing for a, a top level premier league side and he feels confident um, opening up about um, things that will help other people and help the, the gay community, for example. Um, yep. More of that, and I think that will have such a massive knock-on effect for, for people like myself and you guys that follow football. Um, so I think that's that's probably the way we can get the most change. Yeah, that's a really Makes good answer. Sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like that. Yeah, I really like that. Um, okay, so should we talk a little bit about, uh, I guess, the Premier League generally? Do you follow much of it, Donny? Obviously, being a soccer fan, I don't. To be honest, um, I, I used to when I was very young. I used to watch Arsenal. Um, it's a hybrid. Oh, that's natural. That's natural, <laughs> Johnny. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, I can't say I've really since they moved to the Emirates. Um, I've never really bothered with it. To be honest, I, I'm from very close to Sutton's ground, so it's basically as, as soon as I became old enough to go out of the house on my own. Mm. And my, my dad's from Middlesbrough. He's a Middlesbrough fan, so okay. he was never interested in going to Highbury. Um, so, so when I was old enough to, to go out by myself and not drag him along, he's like, right, you know, go wherever you're going to go, but you, you know, your pocket money is whatever it was, twenty pound like a month, whatever. Um, I couldn't go and watch Arsenal the Emirates on that. Um, no. And my, my season ticket at Sutton was twenty quid, and it was just down the road. Um, so that's how I ended up going to watch Sutton. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can see how you get drawn in. Um, yeah, 100%. The, the pricing strategy works as well. Um, in terms of watching the Premier League, I, I mostly follow it through mates that support teams. So you know, I've, I've got my flatmate who's an Arsenal fan. Um, uh, mates, I've got a close mate actually who's a Bournemouth fan. Um, oh, interesting. So he's got a, an interesting relationship with the Premier League. He, he, he likes seeing his team at the top level, but he's used to... League One, League Two, the Championship, mm-hmm. and he, he hates the fact that like, he has to go to games on Sunday and Monday nights. He likes the Saturday three o'clock, yeah, I can um, which I find quite interesting. 
Um, so I, I, I follow it um, a little bit. I, I couldn't tell you the last time I'd watched a full 90 minutes of Premier League games. <laughs> <laughs> a, long, a long, long time ago, probably with Middlesbrough. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not a close fan, but I, I do. I do keep on. I've got a fantasy Premier League team, so I've got to do my best. <laughs> <laughs> what is it on the um, the like official Premier League one or? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we've got. I'm in so many different league tables, and every every time I'm like, just don't finish bottom. Just avoid finishing bottom. Yeah. Keep my dignity intact. <laughs> successful well, season. We'll send you our yeah. code. You can join ours after. Um, but I mean, I've already given up with it. I'm four weeks in. Um, I think I'm 74th in our league so far. I haven't checked it obviously today, um, but I'm one of these players that I'll play for a while and just go, oh, I'm way too far behind. Forget about it till about January time. <laughs> Do a load of transfers, play your wild card, and then middle yeah. of Feb I give up again and then wait till the oh, end of the season. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I always pretend that I don't, I don't look at it. I'll tell all my mates I'm not interested in it. I have to because otherwise I'll be so far. <laughs> <laughs> Stay on top of it enough that no, I don't finish bottom. Um, I, I think this year I could be in danger to be honest. So if I do join your league and I'll uh, I'll rival you for that bottom spot, I'm sure. <laughs> so there's about ten of us that will vie for that, mate. Yeah, so good there. luck. I'll be there, <laughs> um, anything else you wanted to? I just about? so I just wanted to just ask. So Sutton. Tell us a little bit more about that. So, where are they in? What 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 division are they in? What, what position are they in? How much is a season ticket now? If it, in comparison to twenty quid a few years ago, a bit more than that. Is so, it? Um, yeah. So we're we're in League Two now. Okay. Um, which is the highest level we've ever played. Um, we spent one hundred and twenty three years. Um, our whole history as a non league team um, oh, before wow. we got promoted in twenty twenty one. So we're the newest team, I think, to have been promoted to the football league for the first ever time. Uh, we're very much living a dream. Um, most of my life watching Sutton, we were playing in front of crowds of 500 people in the Conference South, and it was quite a relaxed, family-friendly atmosphere. And I enjoyed it because you go with your mates, and it was—I think it was two pound ticket for under 18s, as well as 20 quid for a season ticket. So you know, no one was struggling to afford that, um, and it was great. Um, then in 2016, we got promoted to the Conference Premier. Um, which was probably the highest level I thought we were ever going to play at and the highest level we'd ever played at at the time. Um, uh, did well in that, had the FA Cup run. That brought in over a million pounds and that was a big change. Um, wow. Got promoted to the Football League in 2021, which was, um, we, we kind of felt like there was, there was almost a glass ceiling um, for, for part-time teams like ourselves. It was practically impossible for us to, to, to win the league. I mean, we had... For example, our, our captain was a builder. Our left back worked at Waitrose. We had a, a centre back who uh, worked in a in a car dealership, and we were playing against all these professional teams. And we won the league, and it's like, okay, yeah, how <laughs> the hell has this happened? So, yeah, and I still I still can't really get my head around it. Even things like we're in FIFA now. Um, yeah. So yeah, little things like that, and it's it's very very odd um, for someone who spent their whole life watching a non-league team, and thought I would spend my whole life watching a non-league team. Um, we're twenty-third in the league, so we've not started very well. This is our third season in League Two, um, so we we've done well to get this far. And every mm. season, it's like just staying up isn't an achievement. Yeah, but it's um, gone to show it's we, not a fluke though, isn't it? Yeah, you know, two three seasons in there. It's... Yeah, I mean. We nearly got in the playoffs in our first season. We, we finished, I think we had the highest points total that missed out on the, in the playoffs in years, which was typical. Wow. Um, but we've we've got to, our ground God. is still, um, it's falling apart really. It's barely changed in years. It's, it's still really a conference south ground. 
Um, we've got to spend a lot of money bringing it up to standards um, mm. for, for, for football league stuff. Um, so that's costing us a lot of money. Um, so our playing budget is next to nothing. Mm. Um, we've got the lowest budget in a division, I'd imagine, by some way. Um, so it's just anything ab- above the bottom two is a bonus. So I'm not massively surprised we've struggled at the start of the season. I, I think we'll get better. Um, our manager is, I think he'll end up managing probably in the Championship or Premier League at some point. We're, we're the first team he's managed and he got us promoted to League Two. So watch out for him, Matt Gray. Okay. Um, it's really one to keep an eye on. Um, yeah, yeah like, I think for now the ambition is to stay up um, for a few years, settle in League Two if we can, and then you never know. We're based in London, so we've we've got a good catchment area. Our crowds are, are averaging around three thousand now, so we've yeah. gone up sixfold <laughs> in a few Five years. Yeah. So it's all it's all gone very quickly. It feels a bit like um, the old Wimbledon in the in the eighties, but uh, without the external investment, we've kind of done it uh, organically so far. Um, and yeah, you, you never know where we might end up, but for now it's just survival, I think. Yeah, makes sense. Well, if you're ever down at Margate, Hartsdown Park, give us a shout, oh, we'll come I'll meet you for a been. beer. <laughs> <laughs> years I was in the past, yeah. Yeah, no, we'll come we're meet you and we'll watch the game together or something. Hopefully that's with, with Margate sort of being promoted, not with Sutton yeah. coming down. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, well, I think we'll end the uh, end the interview here. But Johnny, I just want to say a massive thank you. Yeah, for coming thank on. you for coming on, mate. Um, it's a it's Thanks a real it's a real tough subject to talk about. Mm. Um, it seems to be a faux pas at the moment, but it, it is easing, um, and I'm glad that we can kind of be part of that to to kind of get that mental health route out there a little bit more. Um, mm. So I really do appreciate your time. I agree. Um, listeners, we will post a link to uh, to both of Johnny's books at the bottom of the episode. Make sure, go and order it, um, or go to Sutton, and Johnny might even have a copy there, you never know. <laughs> signed. Yeah, he might even do a cheeky sign for you, you never know. Um, Take like 50p off the value. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, thank you very much, and we'll speak to you guys soon. Thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.